Chapter Twenty Eight of the Star Chamber, An Historical Romance, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Star Chamber, An Historical Romance, Volume Two, by William Harrison Ainsworth chapter eighteen the two warrants at the conclusion of the trial james was observed to smile and buckingham who had drawn near the chair of state ventured to inquire what it was that entertained his majesty our fancy has been tickled by a curious conceit answered the king we discern a singular similitude between the case we have just heard and the transgression of our first parents how so your majesty asked the favourite as thus replied james sir thomas lake may be likened to our good father adam what fell into sin from listening to the beguilements of eve mither eve being represented by his daughter my lady ruse and ye will own that there cannot be a closer resemblance to the wily old serpent than we find in my lady lake excellent cried buckingham joining in the royal laughter but before your majesty quits that seat i must entreat you to perform that which i know you delight in an act of justice another act of justice ye should say my lord returned james in a tone of slight rebuke seeing we have just delivered a most memorable judgment in a case which has cost us five days of incessant labour and anxious consideration but what is it ye require at our hands in whose behalf are we to exercise our prerogative in that of sir jocelyn mounchensey my gracious liege replied buckingham who has been committed to the fleet for contempt of this high and honourable court and can only be released by your majesty's warrant as i was myself present on the occasion when the intemperate expressions laid to his charge were used i can affirm that he was goaded on by his enemies to utter them and that in his calmer moments he must have regretted his rashness ye shall have the warrant my lord said james with a smile and it does ye meckle credit to have made the request the punishment sir jocelyn has already endured is amply sufficient for the offence and we have no fears of its being repeated a single visit to the fleet is enough for any man but in respect to sir jocelyn i am happy to say that his excellency the conde de gondomar has quite set him right in our good opinion and has satisfactorily proved to us that the spy we suspected him to be was another person which shall be nameless ha here comes the count himself he exclaimed as the spanish ambassador approached your excellency will be glad to hear after the handsome manner you have spoken of him that it is our intention to restore sir jocelyn to the favour he previously enjoyed my lord of buckingham is to have a warrant for his release from the fleet and we shall trust to see him soon 
at court as heretofore while your majesty is in this gracious mood said de gondomar bending lowly suffer me to prefer a request respecting a person of very inferior consequence to sir jocelyn but one in whom i nevertheless take an interest and who is likewise a prisoner in the fleet and ye require a warrant for his liberation ah count your majesty has said it replied de gondomar again bending lowly what is the nature of his offence demanded the king a trifling outrage upon myself returned the ambassador a mere nothing your majesty ah i know whom you mean you refer to that rascally apprentice dick taverner cried james call ye his attack upon you a trifling outrage a mere nothing count i call it a riot almost a rebellion to assault an ambassador whatever it may be i am content to overlook it said de gondomar and in sooth the knaves had received some provocation ah well since your excellency is disposed to view it in that light rejoined james since ye display such generosity towards your enemies far be it from us to oppose your wishes the order for the prentice's release shall be made out at the same time as sir jocelyn's my lord of buckingham will give orders to that effect to the clerk of the court and we will attach our sign manual to the warrants and now have ye not done he continued observing that buckingham still lingered have ye any more requests to prefer i had some request to make on the part of the prince my liege replied the marquis but his highness i perceive is about to speak to you himself as he said this prince charles who had occupied a seat among the council drew near and stepping upon the elevation on which the chair of state was placed so as to bring himself on a level with his royal father made a long and apparently important communication to him in a very low tone james listened to what was said by his son with great attention and seemed much surprised and indignant at the circumstances whatever they were related to him ever and anon he could not repress a great oath and but for the entreaties of charles would have given vent to an expression of choler which must have betrayed the secret reposed to his keeping calming himself however as well as he could he at length said in a low tone we confide the matter to you since you desire it for we are assured our dear son will act worthily and well as our representative ye shall be clothed with our authority and have power to punish these heinous offenders as ye see fit we will confirm your judgments whatever they be and so will our privy council i must have power to pardon as well as to punish my gracious liege said charles ye shall have both answered the king but the distinction is needless since the one is comprehended in the other ye shall have our own seal and act as if ye were king yourself and ye will be one of these days will that content ye perfectly replied charles 
gratefully kissing his royal father's hand and descending from the platform he proceeded to join buckingham and de gondomar with whom he held a brief whispered conference meanwhile the two warrants were made out and received the royal signature after which james quitted the court and the council broke up the warrants having been delivered by the clerk to buckingham were entrusted by the latter to luke hatton who it appeared was waiting for them in the outer gallery and after the latter had received some directions respecting them from the marquis he hastened away as he passed through the new palace-yard luke hatton encountered a tall man muffled in a long black cloak a few words were exchanged between them and the information gained by the individual in the cloak seemed perfectly satisfactory to him so he went his way while luke hatton repaired to the fleet prison there he was at once admitted to the ward wherein sir jocelyn was confined and announced to him the glad tidings of his restoration to freedom by this time sir jocelyn was perfectly recovered from the injuries he had received from the jailer during his struggle with sir giles mompesson so that there was no obstacle to his removal and his natural wish was to quit the prison at once but such cogent reasons were assigned by luke hatton for his remaining there for another day that he could not but acquiesce in them indeed when all the circumstances were explained to him as they were by the apothecary he could not but approve of the plan which it appeared was about to be acted upon in the next day for the punishment of his enemies and it then became evident why sir giles should not be made acquainted with his release which must be the case if the warrant were immediately acted upon neither the deputy warden nor the jailer both of whom as he knew were the extortioners creatures were to be informed of it till the last moment certain disclosures respecting clement lanyere which were made by luke hatton to the young knight affected him very deeply and plunged him for a long time in painful thought quitting the cell of the more important prisoner luke hatton proceeded to that of the apprentice whom he acquainted with his good fortune holding out to him certain prospects of future happiness which drove poor dick nearly distracted at the suggestion of his new friend the prentice wrote a letter to gillian greenford conjuring her by the love she bore him and by their joint hopes of a speedy union implicitly to comply with the directions of the bearer of the note whatever they might be and armed with this luke hatton quitted the meet and procuring a horse rode off at a rapid pace to tottenham End of chapter 28